Welcome to SADCAST, the podcast for working creatives. This is episode 44. I'm your host, Pamela Rooney's creative director and co-publisher of the physical magazine, SADMAG. Sorry for the absence. I mean, did you even notice? But well, obviously I took on way too many things as usual and the issue needed to get wrapped up. So the SADCAST had to be put on hold, but I'm back now and hopefully back to the regular bi-monthly schedule. So I went to an interview interesting workshop the other week hosted by Danielle Creesa. You may know her better as the Jealous Curator. The workshop was all about dealing with your inner critic. And if you're like me, that's rich territory. I was surprised at like how emotional I got. I was like pretty emotional because we had to like yell the thing our inner critic says out loud actually to someone else, which was felt very mean but I guess that's the point right like you wouldn't say it to someone else you should never say it to yourself so just thinking about what that was made me kind of well up with tears so it was very emotional but I will pass along what she said uh to us there basically whenever your inner critic says that terrible thing to you you write the exact opposite on a post-it note and tell it to shut the fuck up You can even name your inner critic. Mine is named Ruth because, well, she's a ruthless bitch. Um, But anyways, have a go at it. See how you feel. I mean, full disclosure, I haven't been writing it on a post-it. But I have been, in my mind, like thinking of the exact opposite. And um, we made little collages that say the exact opposite. So mine says, you're a fucking genius. So I just try to look at that and remember that my inner critic's an asshole. Uh, so quick update on the cheese issue. It's at the printer as we speak and our launch party is nigh. It is going to be May 27th at make. So mark your calendars. There will be cheesy music, trivia, art, drinks, and of course, cheese. So more details on that at sadmag.ca slash events. Also, another event reminder, Katie Stewart and Michelle Sisa, a.k.a. The Other Two Musketeers, a.k.a. co-publishers of SAD, will be giving a talk with Thrive at the Aviary this Wednesday. Again, check out the deets on sadmag.ca slash events. So, today we have a special treat for you. Co-publisher Michelle Sisa will be conducting today's interview with Megan Lau and Kristen Chung of The Future Is You and Me which is a program designed to support young women of color to take on leadership positions in creative and arts organizations. Applications for their spring session is now closed, but to learn more about them and their schedule, visit thefutureisyouandme.com and keep listening to this episode. Here we go. I'm Michelle Sisa, guest podcast hosting for Pamela Runis as a... Sadcast host, Sadcast, the podcast for working creatives. And I'm here tonight with Megan Lau and Kristen Chung. Hey! Uh, we're smiling. Yay! Yeah. yeah. We we're all smiling nervously. I'm on my way to being drunk. That's good. That'll right. help with the flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't you both tell me about yourselves? Cool. Well, Hi, I'm Kristen Chung. I am a human that does uh, really cool things. One mm-hmm. of them is with Megan Lau. Um, we do the future, is you and me. And my day job, I guess, is I work in fundraising for the Contemporary Art Gallery and I work in the arts. That's a cool place. 
So I'm Megan Lau. I know Michelle from so many years ago. So we're friends. We're all friends here. We're all friends. Yes. Some of us have been friends since before we hit puberty, though. Yeah. So that's scary to think about. Anyway, so I'm a writer. I'm an editor. I do marketing and communication things. I also used to be on the board of SADMEG. I've been involved with SADMEG for a long time. That's me. <laughs> You've been involved with SADMEG since the beginning. Since the very beginning. That's yes, right. that's right. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and you're both doing a little something called The Future is You and Me. Mm-hmm. What is the future? What does the future hold? Oh, good question. We wrote it down on a piece of paper. We did. <laughs> um, so if you go on our website, <laughs> The Future is You and Me is a program that's designed to support young women of color to take on leadership positions in creative and arts organizations. And um, we started it so that we could engage a group of young creative women to build skills through mentoring them and doing some workshops facilitated by who we call the leaders of today and who are also just like rad women that we know Mm -hmm. in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So we started, like I guess it was a pilot project in October of 2016 and now in April 2017, obviously, um, we're going to start our second cohort, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. What made your first cohort a pilot cohort? Just because it was the first. We were, okay. just, we were just testing things. Yeah. Like, I don't know if we want to do this. Do people want to take this? Will people even apply? Yeah. In my mind, I was like, I don't know about this. But it was really successful, and we had lots of um, interest in people who we didn't think would be interested. Um, the cohort we had was eight women from 19 to 25, and they were all people outside of our like social circle, I mm-hmm. would say, like people we didn't know about and people that wasn't connected to us, which is really interesting to me. And so it's for young, diverse women, mm-hmm. women of color. Mm-hmm. Why do you feel like that's an important audience to work with? Uh, I think it's a really important audience to work with because there isn't a lot of representation, I guess, in for women of with diverse backgrounds. Um, like in the arts field, or there's not a lot of representation kind of in media, I guess. That's like one of the reasons. And I guess we just want to build connections with like young, awesome ladies to connect them with like future role models. Because I don't know, for me, like growing up, I never really had someone in that position that I aspired to. And when I did, I think I like found this person when I was like, 28 yeah we actually got feedback from one of our participants that were like it was so cool to see women of color living the dream and that's such an interesting perspective um but also like like, the the next best thing to actually living the dream is having someone perceive you as living the dream exactly (laughs) (laughs) but it does it does kind of like affirm for us that we're we're providing them something valuable you know yeah. <laughs> I mean, whether or not that's true, it's like, if that grows your ambition, that's awesome. And what did you do in your pilot cohort? What did it look like for someone who is in the future of the future? Um, five workshops, two and a half weekends. It was like Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Um, each session was led by um, a speaker. The first session was like building leadership with Jackie Wong, who is, who does... A million things, like facilitating, writing, um, writing, editing, instructor, 
Um, so that was really awesome. That was like a great session to kind of like lay the foundation of the sessions. Um, and one was with the ladies of SADMAG, Michelle, Katie, and Kristen. Kristen. Yay! Another Kristen. Another one. <laughs> Can you tell us what it was like for you to be a part of it? Oh, you're turning the interview around mm-hmm. oh, already. Uh, it was it was very nice. I feel like we came in at the end and we got to talk about the most fun subject, which is building relationships. Mm-hmm. So we just got to talk about all the people that we work with, who we like, and who we get to collaborate with. Yeah. And we got to talk about how much we like to work with each other. And we got to give lots of like feel good, practical advice, like be nice to people. And when you meet someone and you're like, I'm going to get in touch with you, mm-hmm. just follow up on that. I still think that that was one of the most powerful workshops. And I think that like what that philosophy teaches you is kind of what our program is based on, mm-hmm. which is like you need to know people to be able to get stuff done. You know, so we want to do the program so that, that women who have these similar values and similar dreams and ambitions can connect with each other and get their projects off the ground. Mm-hmm. So we had um, building relationships workshop. Another workshop was marketing and messaging with Elaine Chow from the CBC, Diane, um, Deborah from the Vancouver Art Gallery. She was doing PR communications at the time um nicole wong who's like social media superstar exactly with like a bajillion instagram followers um fundraising fundraising and finance with me and the girls from little mountain shop alice and natasha neal and the last one was with our awesome friends jane and michelle yeah and megan yeah so we talked about Um, the importance of diversity and talking about self-care and kind of just like finding your path and knowing that it's not going to be totally linear. Mm -hmm. Where are they now? That pilot cohort. They're living their dreams. They're all doing really interesting things. A few of them are, like one of them, when she came to her program, she wanted to start a podcast, actually, coincidentally, and now she's doing it. And now she ran her first season of like five episodes. Um speak like telling stories of like people with diverse backgrounds like refugees and immigrants and like really hard I guess not really hard issues but like really interesting issues that don't get covered much in mainstream media and now she's recording her second season which is really exciting about Asian women and sexuality Mm -hmm. like how often do you get to hear about that Mm -hmm. pretty cool what's her podcast called Sample space. Sample space. Shout out to Diana. Yeah. <laughs> After you're done listening to this podcast, go download Sample Space. Yeah. It's on SoundCloud. Or it. iTunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All your podcast retailers. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so Diana was one that's doing work like actively. Um, a few of them have been like were kind of established, not established, I guess like emerging artists like musicians, performers that have been kind of doing works like at the time and kind of since then, which is really exciting. Like Sunny and Jessica. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're cool. Also, the rest of you, please email us. We <laughs> want to know what you're doing. <laughs> That's right. If you did the future pilot cohort, get in touch. <laughs> and you just opened applications for your second cohort, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what are you hoping to do differently this time? Ooh. 
Well, Surprise we are doing question. it. We're we're doing it a little bit longer this time. So last last time around, we did two hour workshops. We're gonna do three hours, which means um, we're just putting in more opportunities for the girls to get to know each other better and do some more hands-on work and some group discussions. Um, also bringing in new speakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the surprise. Super surprise. Who, who will it be? Um, we did hear that um, the participants wanted to have more diversity among the speakers, so we are looking for that mm-hmm. in terms of our next set of presenters. If you're a diverse presenter, get in touch. (laughs) (laughs) And how many spots do you have? We're going to open it up to 10 women this time. Limited space, so people should apply. (laughs) What made you decide to do this? (laughs) It's just a casual, unrehearsed set of questions between friends. Well, the story that I always tell, which, I mean, it's, it's not made up or anything like that. It was that I was... I was on Facebook one day and Kristen was over on the other side of the country. She was in Toronto and she posted something to her blog and on Facebook. And you talked about being on some juries and going mm-hmm. to some conferences on yeah, the East Coast. Yeah, so I was, I think at the time I was like on a jury for Canada Council in Ottawa. And we were just reviewing these grant applications. And, and one of the boxes was like diversity. So there's like a, literally a checkbox that says... Like, if your project has, like, diversity in it, meaning, like, if it's multicultural, if it's, like, gender diversity and all these things. And I was like, well, that is so weird that it's, like, literally a physical checkbox that I, on the other end of applying for grants, am, like, checking to see if organizations are diverse enough. And Does everybody check that box? Not everyone. Really? So that's where the idea came from, is, like, there are, there are lots of organizations that weren't doing anything that was diverse and there were organizations that were like it was just embedded in like um their organizational mandate and like just the like you know like just who they are as people within an organization I guess um and one of them was Rue Magazine who just I guess one of the things they applied for or one of the this is in 2016 so they were talking about running a festival and anthology for their 40th anniversary which just happened last week yeah and that was like one of the kickers in my brain that was like oh my god everyone should be doing things like this that's like surrounding themselves with um diverse people of all backgrounds and gender and initiate really awesome programming and yeah and that was like one of the projects that I like completely fell in love with and wanted to be a part of and also um I guess, like, expand the things that they're doing, too. Not, like, them specifically, but, like, continue this kind of track of diverse programming within our community and the way that we do it, I guess. Yeah, and so your blog post ended and said, the future is you and me. Yeah, exactly. And that was so powerful. <laughs> and so I reposted it right away, and then also I emailed you and yeah. said, can we do something? Yeah. And it had no shape or anything no. like that. We were just, just like... like a, a goofy text on the screen. <laughs> I was like, I want to do this thing. Yeah. And then we just started meeting up and talking about mm-hmm. what... Also, like, what would have made a difference for us when we were younger and being young artists and creative people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we wanted mentors. Yeah, exactly. 
Um, and I guess on the other day, or maybe the other day, this afternoon, I was mm-hmm. thinking about how we took a, Megan and I took a anti-racism in, for artists and arts organizations workshop like a week ago or two. Mm-hmm. And then I talked about how as a, as a person of color, you feel like you're taking on these organizations because they want to like check these boxes like you're a woman of color and, and we hired you and now you're now we fulfilled this mandate and I feel like at the time when I realized that um, I felt like I was like a commodity being moved around in different organizations which feels really weird and terrible um, but I guess growing up it was like you don't really I don't know for me you like don't feel like all the things that you are are like they're not like you don't think of yourself as like an asset for an organization I guess is what I'm trying to say I hope no one thinks of themselves as just an asset for an organization but yeah that is a weird thing to realize like you kind of don't think like I don't know I guess like the way I was growing up it was like oh you should like assimilate into like western culture and like not really promote your like Asian-ness or something Mm -hmm. I think growing up it was like oh, I should, like, take all the things that I am and, like, convert them into, like, awesome things and, like, spread that around. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We definitely are, like, of the age where diversity is, a, like, is a commodity, mm-hmm. which was different than when we were kids, right? Mm-hmm. So it was just something we didn't see coming, necessarily. Have you had a similar experience, Megan? No, not as much. But I definitely have worked in very white spaces most of the time as, a, as an artistic professional. And that's hard because you are consciously and unconsciously sort of like hiding parts of yourself because you just don't think that anyone there will understand you. Do you feel that art spaces are whiter than other industries? Like is arts particularly bad at this diversity issue? I don't think so. It's everywhere. Because I've worked in other sectors, but um, as one of the facilitators in this workshop was actually mentioning, like arts people consider themselves to be liberal and progressive, and so um, much like some of the issues that we faced as like Canada as a whole, like it's just hard to address these issues head on because everyone's like, oh, we're just being nice and we all care about each other. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What can arts organizations do if they want to like be diverse in a meaningful way but not check boxes when they're looking for people to collaborate with? Mm. As an arts organization that's helmed by three white people I'm interested I think yeah I think that was one of the questions that came up in that workshop was like oh I want to like hire more like diverse board members how do we do that and it's like that's I was thinking about that person who asked that question yeah and I really wanted to go up to him and be like these are all the websites you can like attract diverse people to but that's not really the answer the answer isn't just to have a board member that's diverse it's to have like programming that will that is diverse, that attracts certain audiences and then board members. Like, it's kind of rooted in the mandate of... It doesn't even have to be in the mandate, but it's, like, the way you, like, act and the way you program things, and it should be, like, ingrained in all aspects, not just a board member at the top of the chain. It should be, like, staff, volunteers, programming, future 
programming, you know, not just like one year we have like a, an issue that's diverse or one thing. It should be continued over time and evolve as mm-hmm. your audience evolves. Yeah, yeah. You talk about it as like being integrated in the fabric. Yeah, of, like I think that's, I think that's what an organization like Room Magazine does really well because for them it's not just a gender thing. It's also like LGBTQ kind of diversity too that's ingrained in like. Um, writers and audiences of like different ages too which is really important that's also I think part for me like one of the diverse things too is not just targeting like a certain age range but kind of accessible for everyone mm-hmm. yeah which is a tricky question I think because like Sad Mag is sort of published by three people of which I am one mm-hmm. and we're all demographically pretty similar mm-hmm. in age and like socioeconomic status and race and so it's tough to try and figure out if you're doing a good job of like translating your work or making sure your your work and activities are broad for other people or inclusive of other people mm-hmm. and I feel like it's like a conscious effort that there's always room to improve on mm-hmm and there's no, like, right or wrong way to do it, I think. And there's no, like, time limit. Like, it's, like, evolving as yeah. your project is evolving. And as yeah. the people you come into the project comes in and out. Because, you know, volunteers come in and out and all that stuff, too. So yeah. so it is kind of, it's a hard thing to do. Certainly, I think something that really turns me off, though, is someone who's like, we're looking for diversity. <laughs> you know? Well, it's like every every job application in the world in Canada is like diverse candidates encouraged to apply mm-hmm. if you're like any of these underrepresented groups. Sure. Which is a weird, like it's a good intention, but such a weird framing. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like... Uh um, when you're like, it's gonna be a fun party. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it <laughs> you have to say it up front. Yeah. Is it gonna be fun? <laughs> yeah. And like, I guess on the other end, like, just because you have balloons doesn't make it fun. Like, just because, I guess, like, to put it on the other end, like, just because you have certain diverse people in your group doesn't make them, doesn't check all the boxes. They could be the Amoroso and Ben Carson's like you were speaking of <laughs> at that workshop too. Yeah. That kind of I don't know, what's the best way to describe that? Like they're actors instead of accomplices. <laughs> Uncle Tom's. <laughs> so many layers yeah. to peel. So many metaphors. <laughs> in this onion of diversity. <laughs> what's the Uncle Tom thing? Oh, I don't want to explain what Uncle oh. Thomas. <laughs> Google it. Can oh, we? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone what? knows Google. So I have a question sure. that I did tell you beforehand, so you don't have to act surprised by it. Um, <laughs> but you're both you're both young women. I feel like as I get older, also the definition of who counts as oh, a right. youth keeps changing. Like yeah. I feel oh, like yeah. I feel like it used to be when I was young that it was like under twenty five, and mm-hmm. now as I get older, it's aging with me. So I think the opera calls like any youth patron like a person under forty five. Forty five? I haven't heard that one. It just keeps going, man. The symphony is if you're under thirty five, like which I love because I right. feel like when we're fifty, maybe we'll all still be youths. Yeah. But anyway, let's never grow old. We won't. We'll just keep living longer if Elon Musk has his way. But anyway, so you're both young. 
When did you realize, as you were conceiving of this idea, that you could mentor other younger women? Like, I still feel like I look for mentors all the time. I still look for mentors, but I sit, I did start mentoring young women who were in high school when I, in 2012, so like five years ago. And I was 25 at the time. And uh, I, I would just hang out with them and just tell them, like, nothing special at all. I would never prepare. We would just go out for coffee. And then, like, at the end of every year, they would be like, oh, my God, I learned so much from mm-hmm. you, Megan. And that was such a revelation for me. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, well, it was funny because I, when we were starting this project in the summer, like June, I actually applied for a grant to be mentored by someone who I won't name. Um, and then I didn't get the grant, like to be a mentee. Mm-hmm. And and then I called for feedback from like the funder. And I was like, why didn't I get this grant? And then they were like, well, it sounded like you could be the mentor. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could. I'm so smart. Okay, cool. And then we started this program, and I was like, oh, my God, I am such a mentor. Because <laughs> funders, like, denied my, like, like... You're so good at mentoring <laughs> that they wouldn't even give you exactly. money. I mean, that was, like, a really definitive, like, moment, and, like, oh, that's, like, a really kind of, like, symbolic, like, re- like sad rejection of a grant. Um, but I also... I don't know. I, I think, like, I really like hanging out with it's going to sound super creepy, but, like, I really like hanging out with, like, people who are younger than me because I I feel like I learn a lot from them. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there's, like, this top-down approach where I, like, have interns that I work with every summer for three months, and then I, like, teach them whatever job that I'm doing, like, development or fundraising and stuff, and they, like, learn how to use a database for the first time or, like, I don't know, fundraising and stuff. But I love hanging out with younger people because they're so, like... They're so, like, genuine and, like, they're so, like, not jaded and, like, just so... They're so idealistic. Yeah, exactly. And, like, at the ripe old age of 31, I, like, feel like I just want to surround myself with, like, really eager, like, young people who have aspirations that, like, want to change the world. And to me, like, that's even... That's very inspiring for me. And I feel like I learned so much from, um, yeah, those people, too. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, a two-way kind of, like learning experience where it's not just like the mentor learns teaches the mentee it's like circle that's so true like the way that we structure our program we want to make sure that we're not just teaching them quote unquote teaching them Mm -hmm. like we know that they have a lot of knowledge to share so we want to you know we want them to talk to each other and yeah just to go back to your question too like I don't think that I'm done looking for a mentor Mm mm-hmm but yeah, there is a time, I guess, in your like early 20s, and you're like, oh, I've like lived for a little while. I can teach someone else some mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe all your future participants will become mentors, too. I hope so. Well, thanks for being here on SADCAST. Thanks for having us. Thanks. Okay, and here's a track from the unwonderful demo their words, not mine, um, from Vancouver band Divorcer. Like, is that a Friends reference? 
Does anyone even know what I'm talking about? Anyway, uh, they only have three songs, but they remind me kind of of Algebra Suicide minus the Midwestern accent. So curious to see what they come up with next. Anyway, here's Rice Cake Sardines by Divorcer. <laughs> 